You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. talking about beastie boys licensed to ill in the room i have rob four and three and two and one <laughs> john most illness be boy <laughs> uh ben she's crafty and kyle mm, drop <laughs> licensed <laughs> to ill is the debut studio album by the american rap rock group the beastie boys it was released on November 15th 1986 def jam records producer was the beastie boys and rick rubin and the genre is rap, rock, and hip-hop. I'm going to read all music reviews, Stephen Thomas Irwine, and it's a little bit longer. Perhaps License to Ill was inevitable, a white group blending rap, rock, and giving them the first number one album in hip-hop history. But the reading of the album's history gives short shift to the Beastie Boys, producer Rick Rubin, and his label, Def Jam, and this remarkable record, since mixing metal and hip-hop isn't necessarily an easy thing to do, just sampling and scratching Sabbath and Zeppelin to hip-hop beats does not make for an automatically good record, though there is a, a visceral thrill to hearing those muscular riffs put into overdrive with scratching. But much of that is due to the production skills of Rick Rubin, a metalhead who formed Def Jam Records with Russell Simmons and had previously flirted with this sound on Run DMC's Raisin Hell, not to mention a few singles and one-offs with the Beasties prior to this record. He made rap rock, but give him, uh, giving him the lone credit for License to Ill, as some have, is misleading, since that very same combination would not have been as powerful, nor would it have aged so well if it weren't for the Beastie Boys, who fueled this record through their passion of subcultures, pop culture, jokes, and the intoxicating power of wordplay. At that, at the time, it wasn't immediately apparent that their obnoxious patter was part of a persona, but the years have clarified that this was a joke. Although listening to the cajoling rhymes filled with clear parodies and absurdities, it's hard to imagine the offense that some took at the time. There hasn't been a funnier, more infectious record in pop music than this. And it's not because the group is mocking rappers, but because they've already created their own universe and points of reference. Where it's as funny to spit out absurdist rhymes and pound out Fight for Your Right to Party as it is the send-up street corner doo-wop with girls. Then there is the overpowering loudness of the record, operating from the axis where metal, punk, and rap meet. There's never been a record this heavy or nimble, drunk on its own power, yet giddy with what they're getting away with. There's a sense of genuine discovery of creating new music, 
that remains years later after countless plays, countless misinterpretations, countless rip-off acts, even countless apologies from the beasties who seem guilty by how intoxicating the sound is, how it makes beer-soaked hedonism sound like an apogee of human experience. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but in either case, License to Ill reigns tall among the greatest rec- records of all time. All right, what do we think of Beastie Boys, License to Ill? It's fucking amazing. So, You know, so we say good. classic a lot, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, this is a, this, this is nay on a perfect, like, record. There, there's and, probably a short list of best debut records, and this would be on it, I think. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Also, backload it? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> It's it's hard to say. Is it from unusual? Uh, most of the singles are on the second half of this record. Right? Oh, you're right. Okay. The first half does not leave me wanting either, though. Nope. Exactly. Thank you, Ben. I know this is this this is this weird time where like these records remind me of my youth. Um, this record reminds me of roller skating. What? And hearing like all of these songs. Heck yeah, man. This song reminds me of uh, being in second grade and seeing the dude down the street in fifth grade. You know, doing Brass Monkey for the talent show. You know, yep. was he rapping or was he on roller skates? He was lip syncing. <laughs> yep. This also reminds me of hugging the wall at a uh, at the roller rink. <laughs> you gotta be careful, <laughs> Rob. Trying to make my way around. It's gonna two handed. <laughs> that and Janet Jackson's Black Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Black Cat. Ah. Yeah, it, it is interesting that now these albums are hitting like hard in your memories right oh yeah i mean no, it's not just like mm-hmm. uh, th- this is this is the thread work of your childhood <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah my brother had a tape and we just played that thing until it broke i mean we had this in raised in hell and those were just constantly on i don't know how we ever got away with it uh from our parents but maybe they just thought it was all in good fun and did, did you not label it on the uh the tape no uh, no the cocktail soundtrack it's... the way that my brother and i did for the guns and roses after <laughs> destruction no it was just straight up bc boys but i mean it was so popular at the time and maybe they just thought well you know this is the thing and it doesn't have like explicitly ah. nasty lyrics i would say i mean fight for your mm. right to party and yeah, I mean, the, no sleep till Brooklyn. I mean, there's like, kind of anthemic. There's references the girlies to I like are and, underage. Right. Yeah. yeah. At that point, he's like, what, 19? True. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, yeah. He's playing a character, right? Yeah, yeah. no, they, they loved WWF so much. They wanted to be heels. And this whole thing is like them like being being heels. Well, they're aping a uh, glam glam rock, you know, oh, yeah. all the metal stuff at the time, too, which to me is amazing that it's even got to that point where these three New York white, you know, upper middle class kids are like, yeah, let's make fun of rock music by doing rap music. That's making fun well, of it at yeah, the time. And, and Singing they, about white castle. And, and, oh God. They, re- they reference white castle so much. in this oh, album. I, I kept a tally. It's six times. I love it's, a lot. It, it's, it's in Good the job, new boys. style in slow ride in girls in Paul Revere and in slow and low. <laughs> and there was one, I think one other one. White Castle is a timeless reference. And White Castle is a uh, tiny burger restaurant in America for our <laughs> listeners from afar. Yeah. It's ti- like the burgers are tiny, not like the corporation is tiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, the, sliders. the corporation is huge. Sliders. Y- y'all, yeah. know, y'all know sliders. And White Castle fries only come in one size. 
Chips. <laughs> White Castle chips only come in one. Chip. Huh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> mm, chip. <laughs> I mean, but you could you could say in some ways this is as if the dictators did a rap album. Sure, yeah, right? Sure, it's, yeah. it's, oh, it's, okay. it's amping yeah, right, it up. John. It's creating those personas. It's playing it to the nth degree. It's some nice Jewish boys making some some music. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like they they started out as a hardcore band. Like they yeah, they, as a they, punk they, band. They, they they come from like the hardcore background. They're like, no, let's see what this rap thing's about. And yeah. like you know, they they work their way up and they fucking like work their dicks off and it, like yeah, and uh, they they borrow. Heavily stylistically from Run DMC with the, uh, the the way the rhymes work, but mm-hmm. it's, this is the first time the whole package had existed. Yeah, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, what a what a fucking debut, man! Yeah, this is a juggernaut. Yeah, who's their who's their DJ at this point? Like, who's making these beats? Like the samples with like I the, the, it's the electronic Ruby, drums. Man. It's Rick. It the, yeah, like these these like. 808 beats are funkier than ones on previous albums we've covered. Yeah, no, he, mm-hmm. he they, they, mm-hmm. they've got he, Rick Rubin is putting the stank on the 808. He's getting yes. better for sure. Um, well, in the samples of like Led Zeppelin's The Ocean and when the levee breaks, like just power behind the, the beats, and no, nothing to say, you know, like so that's the backdrop for the Beastie Boys, and the Beastie Boys have an amazing style. Yeah, I mean. Again, I don't know other artists that they were aping in this presentation, you know, per se, because we've heard other rappers. And mm-hmm. I don't know if there were other rappers in New York that were rapping in the way that these guys are on this album. Run DMC. Run DMC. Fat Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Run, D- yeah, cover Run, Run DMC. Run DMC. Two guys that would, that would play off each other. And so you've got, yeah, the third here. So, yeah, definitely I would say that, yeah, I guess closest to Run DMC. Mm-hmm. If you're Fat saying, Boys, yeah. And, oh, yeah, and Fat Boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe a different backing track, but there's three of them, and they play off each other, yeah. and they trade. And... But the third Fat Boy, I, I I apologize, I don't know all the individual Fat Boys. Um, fat boy, man! One, one, of, one, of the, one of the boys who is fat uh, doesn't rap all that often. He predominantly makes mouth noises. True, that, that is, is true. true. So this is three individual rappers all interplaying. Yeah. They all have a very distinct voice, too. I always find that really interesting. Every time you hear them, um, you know, I mean, you know, who's who, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like Wu-Tang Clan. It, you, you know, who's on the mic uh, when, when they're talking, you know, when it's Adam, you know, when it's or MCA, you know, when it's, you know, yeah. They're, yeah, well, they yeah, tell you their voices. Adam, well, Adam and they'll Adam tell and you. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Ad Rock, MCA, Mike D. Mm-hmm. Isn't the Mike D the one who's from Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, you guys ever seen a, that's correct. Uh, the Beastie Boys live. Anybody get the chance to? I didn't, man. Oh, I never got to see them live. Yeah. No. I saw them at Lollapalooza in '94. Uh, nice. I think the O Communication tour. Q-Tip was there. That's a good time to see him, Kyle. Mm-hmm. But uh, God damn, they put on a great show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that there's so many great lines on this album. These, these kids are clever, but uh, I think that my favorite line on this album is I'll steal your honey. Like I stole your bike. (laughs) (laughs) Something about that. I'm just like, yeah, I'm with you, Ben. Yeah. It's it's such a good line. Cause these guys are such a juvenile flex, right? They're they're, they're whatever between their 19 and twenties ish age when they're doing this. And their rhymes are a mixture of, Things that per- people at that age are into, you know, drinking and smoking and things that are really more their persona, you know, mm-hmm. than, than themselves personally. But then they also have these throwbacks to like really juvenile things that 
the six year old year ears that you know we're listening to it are we're also like hell yeah steal that boy. <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot of small crime on this. There's all these all these references to like stealing and like running away with stuff that's not yours. Like there there's like petty theft all all over this. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're, they're granted they are rapping about being pirates. Yeah, yes. um, but that didn't translate over as just being pirates on the West Coast. They heard this record and were like, fuck, let's just sing about life. <laughs> and this, this, is, this is literally the birth of gangster rap. There are samples from this record all over like the NWA Everywhere. and Easy E records. Like this is. <laughs> I sh- yeah, we should mention that it was not. You know, when this record came out, it was not uh, very well received by other rap artists being like, oh, these three white Jewish guys from New York are, you know, kind of kind of trying to take take the style, you know, of of rap music and, you know, do their own thing with it. But I think after uh, especially after Paul's Boutique dropped, I think people were like this one definitely got a, you know, uh revitalize how creative and interesting and you know that they're not just in it for the goose they're in it for life like they this is who those people are and and they they are digging deep in 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 playing a part of hip-hop culture for sure and an integral part of hip-hop culture they this broke hip-hop out this is what made it a this made the suburban kids have their moms driving right. to, driving to Target and buy the thing, and that that's how that's how it exploded out. Yeah, I should uh, yeah, mention and, Columbia Records' like, fastest selling debut uh, records. It was certified diamond uh, in twenty fifteen, uh, shipping over ten million copies. Wow! Um, and it was also certified platinum eighty seven uh, and eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so within a year's time, a million records. Yeah. one of the first like hip-hop acts that they, they played a lot on mtv um i mean it's hard to imagine now but it was kind of a monoculture back then and there weren't any alternatives to hearing music and seeing music videos back then except for turning on mtv if you had cable and there were some great videos associated with this album absolutely, absolutely ben or the box on uh uh, the uh, UHF channels. There, there, there were a number of uh, music video channels that yeah. were just in the ether. Well, was it in the? I in wish the I could. Was it back in the early, in the mid eighties? Oh yeah, man. Okay. In in the fight for your right to party video, there's a, a big. Uh, I guess it's kind of like a, a frat party scene where they're uh, throwing a lot of pie. Right. It's a house party. It's because a house yeah. party. Yeah. And uh, apparently, I guess in the budget, they'd you know they'd spent it all on everything else. The you know the the costumes and. Uh, so the whipped cream for the pies came from like a dumpster. 
So apparently just uh, everyone was really trying to avoid all the whipped cream because it smelled <laughs> it was like rancid rotten whipped cream. Yeah, and yeah. there's like a, a young Tabitha Soren is in that video. <laughs> like, yeah. Just random random assortment of folks. <laughs> but also in the crowd, John Mutt Lang. Oh, um, yeah, Mutt Lang. <laughs> LL Cool J, Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and uh, members of punk rock band Murphy's Law, as well as BC Boys producer Rick Rubin. Oh yeah, he gets pied wearing the ACDC Slayer shirt. In Mutt we trust. Should we should we talk about the Slayer connection? Yeah, sure, love it. so I did not know this uh, that mm-hmm. uh, Rick Rubin also produced Slayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Were you not familiar that Slayer was on Def Jam? I, I for some reason it slipped my mind, right. and I did not know that Carrie King played the guitar solo on No Sleep Till Brooklyn. He sure did, <laughs> and, so and fight funny. for you, right? Right. Yeah, and Fight Free Oh, man. Yeah. It's just... Uh. Yeah, and they're wild. I mean, they're very cool solos. I I kind of love that it's Carrie King because you had Michael Jackson with Van Halen. With Van Halen <laughs> and it's like, it's like the yeah. clean, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, just the tight, you know, solo. And then they bring in Carrie King and he's just like, <laughs> like, like yep. make yeah. it weird and just go for it. <laughs> Awesome. They were uh, they toured on this with Madonna if before this oh before this they toured with Madonna then they did a world tour with this one where they got enough money to afford the uh, uh, the animatronic penis that uh, that was on stage <laughs> but it was ironic right it was completely ironic they're just making fun of party but, culture they right? were but all of this irony of... is lost on the people that go to Beastie Boys Absolutely. shows in 1986 yeah. so lost. 100% <laughs> yeah. 100% um, the shittiest part about all of this is they toured like they, they basically toured for a fucking year on it mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't get paid a, more or less a dime yeah. off of uh, off of this because uh uh, Russell Simmons and uh, Rick Rubin said, well, you guys were supposed to put out a second record, so uh, you're in breach of contract, so like y- y- you get nothing off of like the <laughs> number one selling yeah. album of that year. That's crazy. Yeah, they, they, they fucked him over real good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Rick Rubin, I think that he's, uh, you know, he's less of a shithead now, but uh, Russell Simmons, that guy's a complete piece of shit. Oh, Want to hear a fun boy. story about Russell Simmons? I heard that he's in the back of the fun? bus smoking like dust. Fun? Uh, yeah, it's super fun. Uh, Russell Simmons has been accused of sexual misconduct and assault it. by 20 women and stepped down from his position in Def Jam Recordings and other companies as a result of these allegations. In 2018, it was reported that Simmons had moved to Bali, Indonesia, where there is no extradition treaty to the U.S. Oh, my God. Wow. You went MIA, too? <laughs> yes. Uh, I think that Russell Simmons and African Mamata are like I ta- hiding together. No, I want to talk about Madonna. <laughs> I would love to talk about Madonna. Thank you. Uh, they opened shows for Madonna in 85, as you mentioned, and run DMC in 1986. But obviously, Madonna's fans, they did not go over well with. Uh, Horvitz explained in the book, I Want My MTV, the audience hated us. Uh, but it worked in her favor. She got on stage and they couldn't have been happier to see her. <laughs> yeah, she loved them. Uh, 40 chess. They were Madonna. all hanging out like at Danceteria, like yeah. uh, in New York, like yep. just dancing around, having fun just being weird New York kids. I, I do like I kind of like how 
the lyrics on this album are so juvenile and their career is so long that as elder statesmen of hip hop, they had to kind of walk back some of the stuff that they were saying and in, in character from license to ill. And like, they would still perform songs like, uh, I think it was like no sleep till Brooklyn, but instead of MCA's in the back, cause he's getting skeezy with a whore. They're like, MCA's in the back with a mahjong board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ben, that's a, that's a good point. I remember um, they did a show with the Prodigy, uh, which is another another band that I saw in like '97 um, or group or whatever. But Prodigy had a song called "Smack Your Bitch Up," mm-hmm. and Beastie mm-hmm. Boys was like, "Please don't play that song." And at the time, you know, when I was 18, it was '97. I was like, "Come on, guys! Come on, guys! I've heard girls like, what are you guys doing?" I mean, well, well, so so in the girls, he's telling the story uh, of he wants a girl, but the girl wants MCA, but MCA doesn't want the girl. So he asks MCA if he can pursue the girl. And MCA is like, yeah. And then he takes the girl to the bay and he's like, can we be a thing? She's like, nah. And then he moves far away. It was two years last May. <laughs> and then she's back, Jack and Mike D to his dismay. That's yeah. the story. But then, like, the refrain of, like, girls to do the dishes, girls to do the laundry. Like, yes, that's misogynist. But yeah. it's also just, like, it's, like, snotty, like, little kid misogyny. Like, I don't think that they're being serious at all. Even yeah, in uh, 86. It's, it's is so Prodigy's Fat of the Land in this book? What's that? Uh, yeah, we're going to do Prodigy. Fat of the Land by Prodigy? Yeah. Is that there in yep. 97? Yeah, we're okay. going to do it. Well, and, and girls, I think, like many of these things, is a, a send-up of doo-wop music. Like, you know mm-hmm. how how those guys used to talk about you know t- taking a girl to the shore and everything else. It's it's in it's in character in the style. Yeah, when I heard it uh, with you know with modern ears, I was like, this is so over the top. It would be if someone were to be like, jocks don't have a brain, and you know, like it it has this sort of hearing them crack up uh, going bomb 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 yeah they can't right, right. Right. sing back up cracking up at fucking cracking up yeah ridiculous. no it's, it's it, it, so it's it's weird i mean i get it if you if you just were to read the lyrics yeah yeah and it it, it, it definitely set a bad example for some like a, real dumb people who didn't oh, sure. get the fucking joke which is why Rob, they walked it back just which like, is why yeah. they apologized which is why they said you know i'd rather be a hypocrite than a the same for the rest of my life yeah like you know yeah. they, full on yeah kyle kyle okay we're all from uh indiana there's a there was a radio station called x103 that played a John's alternative sorry. rock and in like the late 90s, like way after this record came out, they played girls constantly, like a weird amount. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, it was it was weird, Kyle. I was there with you. We were you we were in the same room. <laughs> but if you think about who's gonna call into a radio station and request music, it's fourth graders. Nobody requested <laughs> it. Last time I called into a radio station to request music, I was actually in fourth grade. Yeah, there you go. Last time I called into a radio I station to, hear to request New Age music Girl by Dead Eye was during John Mellencamp's birthday in Bloomington, where we would just say, hey, can you play that song about sucking off a chili dog? <laughs> <laughs> sucking off a chili dog? Sucking off chili dogs. <laughs> he had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from the heart. Oh, no sleep to Brooklyn's in our in our in our cans. Uh, what a lovely send up to send up to uh, no sleep to Hammersmith. Yeah, by Motorhead. Yeah. yeah, love it. So there's there's a 
bit of a chicken and egg situation that maybe you guys could weigh in on because I honestly don't know. I don't know which came first. Did the Beastie Boys start reconciling their their misogynist ways before Ad Rock started yes. dating Kathleen Hanna yeah. or after? No, it was, it was before. Um, okay. Because oh, he wouldn't be able to land to her if later. he was... He wouldn't oh. be able to land her in, if he had not already... Oh no! I, I, I grown up. I, no, uh, oh, mm, I mean, um, let's put it this way: after this record came out, and they saw like frat guys like singing "Fight for Your Right to Party," they knew that it like this weird gag that they thought was just funny for them, and you know, making fun of you know partiers or whatever in glam rock bands. It had. Elevated to it that it was out of hand. Yeah, no, essentially. And, yeah. Uh, and, and Kim I mean, Gordon happens today is still. You know. Yeah, Kim, Kim Gordon introduced uh, the the two of them like during Lollapalooza, like ninety one, I think. So okay, okay. Yeah, they, it's they they, <laughs> they they had made amends, but you know, getting uh, getting Kim Gordon to vouch for you is pretty. Uh, oh yeah, pr- pretty solid way to go. Yeah, that good intro. Yeah, for sure. It's it's amazing. It, the 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 production's amazing. The mm. lyrical trade offs amazing. Uh, yeah. The samples are wonderful. The programming's fantastic. Um, it's just it it's an un, like it's it's a juvenile record, but it's undeniable. Like you know, what, and catchy. Oh, oh dear yeah. lord, yeah, it's so catchy, so catchy. And like so, the, it's uh, what I think Q magazine called it the. Uh, the first and only uh, punk rap record. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah. It just secretes fun. Like mm-hmm. It's really, it's really fresh sounding too. Uh, like in Paul Revere, they're rapping over the track that's backwards, especially the backwards 808s. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it sounds that was that, MCA. Yeah. Yeah. It's a genius move. Yeah. It, MC, yeah. MCA somehow knew that uh, <laughs> the Beatles uh, did some backwards like guitar stuff and was like, no, let's just run this backwards. <laughs> Yep. He's like, this head of weight sounds cool, but what if it was like sip, 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 sip. Yeah. <laughs> and it then, no, and it, I mean, the lyrics to Paul Revere are fun, but yeah. that beat is Paul Revere. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that made everybody's ears perk up. There, there's nobody in the, uh, the rap business that doesn't go, oh, yeah, the Beastie Boys had the best beats. Because they yeah, did. Mm-hmm. they did. They really have great beats. Fucking deniable. Throughout their career, like not just with Ruben, like they, they just yeah. keep on sourcing good beats. And when they started writing them themselves, good God. Yeah. 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 Even instrumentals. Yeah. All their them, stuff. They're, so they're, we'll they're, talk they're, with, uh, yeah. about those other albums I'll for look sure. Forward to it. Uh, yeah, fun things. We're, we're gonna need to. We're gonna need to communications in the book, double. right? We're going to need to book a double long one for Pulse Boutique because we're going to get in deep on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. We stepped into the windy at a 
Uh, fun things I found out uh, about the 808. Uh, it was uh, used on more hit records than any other drum machine. It's a uh, particular popularity in hip-hop has made it one of the most influential inventions in popular music comparable to the Fender Stratocaster's impact on rock. Its sounds cool. are included with music software and modern drum machines and has inspired unlicensed recreations. Yeah. Which I want to get one of those. Yep. And, and, and pretty little pause. Um, Absolutely. Uh, should we talk about the their, their auspicious uh, rise to prominence? Oh, I would love it if you okay. would, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, based on their earlier um, punk band with uh, Kate uh, uh, Schillenbach. Yeah, Sch- Schillenbach from, uh, from uh, Luscious, Luscious Jackson. Jackson. Yep. She's the drummer. From the Beastie Boys. Yeah, and she was originally the drummer for the Beastie Boys when they were a punk rock band. Um, they created a single called Cookie Puss, and the B-side was Beastie Revolution. The airline corporation British British Airways used a portion of Beastie Revolution, chosen by Jeremy Healy without the band's permission, in one of their television ads, the Beastie Boys contacted a lawyer and successfully sued British Airways for $40,000. This money was then used to rent an apartment at 59 uh, Christine Street in Chinatown, New York City. This apartment was used not only as a place to live, but also a place for the group to rehearse and record. So basically, they kick-started their career from the money they won in a lawsuit. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it, was, awesome. it, it was the reason, like... I think it was MCA was just sitting at the house watching TV and like this British Airways commercial comes on. He's like, that's my song. (laughs) (laughs) Sure enough. But yeah, they they got $40,000 like to split amongst uh, the three of them like in in 83, 83 money. Like they, they were they were rich kids. Um, And that's where uh, I think Adrock got the uh, the 808. Yeah. Um, the, out, of, out of a pawn shop. He was going to go buy a Rickenbacker. Uh, and then the 808 was there. He was like, nope. <laughs> Man, what a different career that would have made. Because I'm assuming he still would have been very creative and prolific and good, only with a Rickenbacker instead of an 808. Man, I want to I see that, like, alternate it, universe. I don't think he would have. Uh, there, there wouldn't have been an alternate can... universe. There, there was, <sighs> there, they would have gone and done other things. Yeah, I mean, you can still see them. Yeah, you're probably right. Still kill it with their instruments and ill communicate. I mean, oh, yeah. all their other albums. So I don't really see a. Uh, I, I feel like they still would have gotten to the place, but maybe it would have been roundabout. You mm-hmm. know, in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it was right place, right time, and uh, yeah, yeah, they just they they fucking killed it. Uh, anybody read the Christ Guy review? I've got it in front of me if you haven't. Um, License to Ill. The wisecracking arrogance on this record is the only rock and roll attitude that means diddly right now. With mainstream claimed by sincere craftspeople and the great tradition of Elvis Presley, Escotera, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and the Sex Pistols, and Madonna sucked into a cultural vacuum by nitwit anarchists and bohemian sourpusses. Three white jerk-offs and their crazed producer are set to go platinum plus with, quote, black, unquote, music that's radically original, childishly simple, hard to play, and the accessi- and accessible to anybody with two, years and- two ears and an ass. 
uh, drinking, robbing, rhyming, and pillaging, busting open your locker and breaking your glasses. The beasties don't just thumb their noses at redeeming social importance. They pull out their jammies and shoot it in the cookie puss. If you don't like the joke, you might as well put your money where your funny bone is and send a check to the PMRC. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A plus. Hell wow. yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, and uh, the the last thing that I have is like I listened to this whole record, and uh, did, did anyone listen to this on Spotify? And if you did, what was the song that played after? No, uh, the song that played after was "Waiting Room" Fugazi. Yeah, uh, one that played after me was "Badmouth Fugazi." <laughs> <laughs> very very strange. Fucking got me. <laughs> you got my algorithm, guy. Wild. Uh, any. Yeah, does anybody else have a favorite lyric? Because I mean, uh, I got <laughs> you know, I got rhymes like a pagoda. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good line. It's a really good line. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, on time to get ill, I've got more rhymes than Phyllis Diller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also like that one. <laughs> yep. Even her name rhymes. That's why I like that one so much. Uh, time to get ale. <laughs> yeah. Or, or time to buy ale. Time to Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Oh, jeez. Yeah, my, my name's Mike D. I, I demand respect. Your cash and jewelry is what I expect. I gets respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a gentleman thief. <laughs> um, uh, got two girlies and a beer that's cold. <laughs> The sun was getting high. The beer was getting flat. I don't. I don't drink grass monkey like the beat funky. Nay, easy e yo eight ball junkie. It's always referenced back, guys. Yeah. Gangster rap and this are tied together. They didn't know that it was three upper class Jewish kids because that's what two thousand miles can do in nineteen eighty six. So they thought that they thought this album was actually recorded by pirates. Uh, no, just some. Serious, uh, serious fellas like uh, oh, and the sheriff's on their tail. A wibble of that. How rude! <laughs> These are not cute crimes. They pulled out the jammy <laughs> and killed it. Uh, all right, one more thing. The band took the license ill tour around the world. The following year, the tour was troubled with lawsuits, arrests, and the band accused of pro- provoking the crowd. This culminated in the notorious gig at the Royal Court Theater, Liverpool, England, on May 30th, 1987, that erupted into a riot approximately 10 minutes after the group hit the stage and the arrest of Adam Horowitz by uh, Merseyside Police. He was charged with assault, causing grievous bodily harm. Oh. I can't what imagine being at those those concerts and being like fight for your right to party and like soccer hooligans just <laughs> tearing the place down. Yeah. Good God! I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what though, I'd rather be the Beastie Boys playing in front of drunk soccer hooligans than Suicide playing in front of drunk soccer hooligans. True, and, fair, yeah. At least at least with Beastie Boys, there's three of you. <laughs> <laughs> just one extra. Yeah. <laughs> so we're listening to Brass Monkey right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> much to my chagrin, I found out that the Dave Matthews Band covered this song what? in 2013. That oh, makes sense. No. They've got a saxophone. The, you know, if, if there's a saxophone in your band and you play the hippies, at some point you're just going to play the Brass Monkey riff, though, right? Yeah. Does that mean that, uh, and I, I meant to ask it in the last episode, like how many people have actually covered rap songs? Because right now I know I know of two, 
I know Dave Matthews Band and Rage Against the Machine. I like that's just not a it's not a genre that lends itself to covers. That's well, interesting. Rage Against the Machine, it's 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 in their DNA though. Yeah, but actually covering a rap song is not. Like that's what do you guys true. think a, a DMB cover of Brass that's Monkey true. sounds like? I think it's just the saxophone riff a, and a whole bunch of drunk guys with backwards baseball yeah, caps saying like, Brass Monkey, yeah, that monkey, like monkey monkey. Whatever and, the and wind, Brass Monkey. Wind, there's wind chimes <laughs> and the violin. Uh, here's how to make Brass Monkey. One part dark rum, one part vodka, one part orange juice. Stir together and serve over ice. Yeah, good and, and some Spanish fly if you're a piece of shit. <laughs> if you're Bill Cosby. I wish I wish that you could still get it pre-mixed in the store like the Beasties did. It's in the lyrics, that com- guys. Yeah. That company went out of business uh, over 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> John went down the, the street to Shrek's where there's oftentimes very dusty bottles of things, but apparently no brass monkey. No yeah. brass monkey. I, I, once, I once found Ben a bottle of schnapps from the 70s. Uh, <laughs> you, gave it, you, you gave it to my wife for our wedding. Yeah, she loved it. <laughs> she loved it. <laughs> They don't make was, mountain strawberry decrupper anymore. <laughs> oh man, that's strawberry mountain. That's a, that was a special special breed. Yeah, so if anywhere had it, it would have been Shrek's. But yeah, I don't think we just we debated this whether or not orange juice in a bottle mixed with orange with uh, vodka and rum would survive twenty years. Yeah, probably not. Not well. Well, I I, I doubt it's actual juice in that in that schnapps bottle. Oh well, that there. Yeah, you go. I, I bet it's I bet it's yeah, like tang of citric Ooh, acid. Brass or monkey in space. <laughs> Brass monkeys in space. <laughs> All right, uh, I don't think we need to go around the room, right? Nah, this 100%. is a, th- th- this is this classic. is required listening. It is yeah. classic. There's uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's on the scratch off actually. I, I would hope so. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So what off. if? What if they only got better from here, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Not possible. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, the, the only other thing I would add, uh, if you guys like podcasts about in long form we don't do that uh no dogs in space has i think a six or seven part series on the beastie boys just fucking listen to it it's it's incredible also incredibly informational highly recommend listeners also read the book or listen to the book the the audiobook of their life is all done by like famous people taking like different chapters it's fantastic but yeah that's all. Ooh, do they Rogan? do impressions of the beach of the Beastie Boys? <laughs> they don't. But it is weird when Gilbert Godfrey starts talking about the Beastie Boys. You remember when we all saw Gilbert Godfrey at the Gathering of the Chevalos? Oh yeah. Remember shows? All right. Next time we'll be talking about Metallica, Master of Puppets. All right. Thanks, y'all. Kick it!